listening to the Ivy Entrepreneur Podcast from the Pierre L. Morissette Institute for Entrepreneurship at the Ivy Business School. In this series, Ivy Entrepreneur and Ivy faculty member Eric Jansen will anchor the session. All right, sitting down with uh, two of the founders of Sons of Kent, Colin Doug. Thanks for coming in. I appreciate you guys making the time. Yeah, thanks, Eric, for sure. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. So I want to get into a bunch of pieces of the story of the brewery, but I want to rewind the tape and maybe let's start with uh, Colin. If you were, when you were 22 years old, what were you up to? What were you doing? I was having a lot of fun. Um, I... uh, I went to school in Ottawa for a couple of years, mostly because I wanted to have fun out there and kind of get away from Chatham a little bit. And yeah, I had some, I had a good time and then I did a lot of traveling. I, I ended up 22. I was living in Australia and I was working for a tourism company sailing traditional tall ships around the Great Barrier Reef. As a deckhand, I kind of worked my way up and, and helped navigate some big boats around uh, the, uh, the, the east coast of Australia, which was fun. And then I ended up... Uh, yeah, coming home and started a small tourism company in uh, in Erio, which is where I grew up. It's on the lake where we did a lot of water sports and stuff. And yeah, we threw some big events. We organized some big events. And uh, yeah, I did some more traveling after that. But long story short, I found myself in the beer industry, starting in a small brew pub and getting stoked on beer. Actually, my when I was in Australia, I fell in love with beer at a small brewery in Byron Bay. And that was kind of in... 2010. So to give you context, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but in the craft beer world, that's like, I'm like a veteran almost. But uh, (laughs) yeah, so it's interesting. But that really got me excited on what a craft brewery could be and and what a craft brewery can do for a community and how much fun you can have kind of with the idea of beer, more than the liquid itself. But what the idea of beer is and what I thought it was, was super inspiring in that moment. And then now I'm here. So, yeah. Byron Bay. Did you ever go to the Byron Bay Blues Fest? Unfortunately, I didn't. Oh. I missed that one. Uh, that wasn't. I wasn't living in Byron, but I was passing through at the time. And yeah, it's supposed to be awesome. I've never been. I had a, a company in the entertainment business, so we one of our first events in Australia was the Byron Bay Blues Fest. So that's a big one. Yeah, it's a big yeah. One. It's a yeah. Is it worth a trip? It's worth a trip. You should go, Doug. <laughs> you should go you should make go. the excuse. So it seems like so you grew up in Chatham, small town Chatham, Chatham, yeah. Ontario. People have this when they live in small towns. I grew up in Windsor, so relatively small town. Yeah, bigger than Chatham, but Win- Windsor's the the big yeah. city locally. I think Chatham kind of rides that edge of being a city. Like sure. it's it is a city on paper. Like I mean, it's the city of Chatham, Ontario, and Kent County, but uh, it definitely has that small vibe, small town vibe. And it, it it's a city, but I mean, it's small town. Yeah. So did you you wanted to get out and just reset? Like, why did you go travel? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I uh, I was always kind of driven. My parents weren't like big adventurous people. They'd never really gone any further than Florida in the winter. And like when I was a kid, that was our family vacation, right? Same every year. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, being close to the border was easy for us, I guess. But yeah, you know, I, I don't know what it was. I think for me at the time in, in the late 2000s and or yeah, kind of, I guess so over 10 years ago now, I was super inspired and, and you know, um, I just wanted to go see the world. It was also at an interesting time before smartphones were incredibly accessible and traveling was a little bit harder, you know, booking a flight, you had to find a desktop computer and book your flights. And then when you were traveling, you had to find internet cafes. And I think about that in today's world and how different traveling was then and how it kind of inspired me to, to probably look at things a little differently and 
investigate things differently, I guess, in my own world. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to see the world. I was really big into water sports and surfing and, and then beer after that, which changed my travel <laughs> inspiration a little bit, places I would go. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of enjoy the world. But ultimately, I mean, the more I traveled, the more I knew that I would always end up back home eventually. And that what that's really what traveling taught me and what, what how i was inspired was it really reiterated the fact where i knew where i wanted to be not necessarily know what i wanted to do yet but it uh it gave me perspective on where what was important to me and where i would end up so you wanted to uh get out with the idea of getting some perspective, but then eventually thought you'd come back. Yeah. And I mean, with that being said, I'm also on the, you know, I've, I've always been involved with Chatham-Kent tourism and uh, Chatham-Kent youth retention. I'm on the board right now for CK to the power of why, which is encouraging youth to relocate back to Chatham. Typically, people who maybe go to school here and maybe someday want to move back to Chatham and we create kind of incentives and, and ideas of reasons why Chatham could be a cool place to relocate. So yeah, it's been interesting for me. And I think that was because that was my perspective and I was so passionate about my community ultimately. And I see all the pros of the reasons why you should move back. And obviously Chatham needs young people too. We have lost a little bit of that. So I think it's really, really important. And you know, I know that ultimately the more young people that are in Chatham, the better quality of life I'm going to have because it's just more inspiration, more cool businesses, more stuff to do. More of your people around. That's it. Yeah, I hope so. So why wasn't the default for you to go find a stable job? Because you traveled, then you said you came back and started your own water sports company. Why weren't you, you know, first step, Go find a job somewhere and work somewhere stable. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great question. I, I I love the freedom. I also loved having fun all the time. So me and my friends were, you know, because we kind of grew up on the water. We didn't have, you know, mansions and stuff. I mean, it was far from that. But I think ultimately we were very passionate about the community we lived in, which wasn't, you know, a big fancy resort town. Erio, if anybody knows about it, is a little tiny fishing village. And when we were kids, I mean, you know, we would go down behind the fire hall and ride our skateboards off picnic tables. It wasn't, you know, anything overly fancy. But we just loved that little community. And my friends and I grew up there and, and we grew up on our skateboards and hanging out on the bay on our little tin boats and stuff. And we, uh, we were just super passionate about wakeboarding. And that just kind of inspired us to throw some events uh, that were, you know, we ticketed events and music and bands and we played in bands. We did a bunch of stuff. And I always saw an opportunity. I, mean, I had a clothing company for a couple years where I just, I recognized that there was a lifestyle component and how you can market something and you can share your passion and people really want to buy into your story ultimately, but in an honest way. Um, and I think there's, I always had that kind of perspective on how to make a cool lifestyle and knowing that, you know, what I really need. And I mean, I worked for businesses as well. It wasn't always just me doing my own thing, but ultimately I always knew that I would end up doing my own thing. So got it. And how Doug's been sitting here patiently letting oh, us no, no. You tell our story. Keep going. It's a great story. How, how did you guys end up meeting? Cause I want to get to the founding oh. of sons of Kent. How did this, how did this, I'll, I'll tell the story really quick. This is kind of a crazy story. So, I knew uh, Doug. I knew who Doug was. I didn't know him. I didn't. I've never met him. Doug's a little bit older than me, and his brother Alf. And that's conservative. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Doug and Alf are brothers. They're also business partners in this. There's four of us all together. But the story of Doug and Alf. I took a job. After I finished brewing school in Germany, I had been back. I was living in Chatham, kind of looking for something to do. So I took an internship, internship slash brewing job 
in Micronesia, in Palau. So I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. We this skipped job. over like, yeah, brewing, brewing <laughs> yeah. school in you Germany. Missed, you missed. You went to school. Yeah. Micronesia. So, so, so I want to hear. Keep going on the story, but sure. like, I want to hear. You, we gotta fill in the blanks here a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, yeah. So, long story short, I'm on my way to um, from toronto to vancouver and then vancouver to, to palau which is a small island in micronesia probably like i think it's about 200 nautical miles from uh to the east of the philippines so just for context geographically most people don't know where palau is but not too far from guam it's an independent island uh it's self-governed but about fifty thousand people live on there all the time lots of tourism from asia so there's a brewery there they make beer on the island they import a lot of ingredients from the u.s but it was really cool it's owned by an american guy really creative passionate craft brewer i caught wind of this through through people i went to school with and i was like you know this would be awesome do this for a few months and surf and make beer and live my life but on my way out there my visa was denied in Vancouver. They wouldn't let me on the plane to get to Palau. So next thing you know, I'm hanging out in Vancouver, waiting to get all this paperwork sorted out. And I'm killing time, staying on my friend's couch. And uh, I'm just visiting breweries, because why not? I love beer. And I had known that Elf and Doug brothers were living in Vancouver from Chatham originally. There were these two brothers that were from Chatham. They're living in Vancouver, building really cool breweries out there. And I end up visiting these breweries. And I'm on a tour of the brewery called Red Truck. And it was one that Elf and Doug were just finishing building. And Elf's up there in the office working on some paperwork. And I get introduced to all these people on this tour. And I was like, uh, we start talking. He's like, yeah, I'm from Chatham. He's from Chatham. Next thing you know, we're having beers. We go out for drinks and, and start talking about stories, who we know. Obviously, Chatham being a small town, everybody knows somebody. Very few degrees of separation there. And uh, and we kind of started this idea of like, you think there's a, you think you could build a brewery in Chatham? You think it could support a brewery? And I'm this young young guy being like, yeah, I would love to move home someday and have a sweet brewery. And if these guys are on it, like we can make it happen. Me being a little young and uh, at the time, and obviously a little maybe overzealous of the whole concept and how easy it must be to build a brewery. Having these guys as a reality check was a huge opportunity. And I knew having that would, would seal the deal. We could get it done. And there's a lot of advantages to that. So I ended up taking the job in Micronesia. I did it. A couple months in, I get an email from Alf, and we had never really like set the tone, and we never said, like, we're going to build a brewery. But I think Alf and I kind of inspired each other. We let it go for a couple months. I get an email from him randomly. Somehow he found out how to get a hold of me because I was like, yeah, I'm going to Micronesia. Catch you later. you know. And uh, I get an email from him saying, hey, when are you coming back? I would love to talk more about this idea. And I was like, well, actually, my job is done in about a month and that'll be my flight will connect in vancouver but i'll just extend it and i'll hang out in van for a couple weeks and we can try to see this is going on and then yeah we all got involved doug has always been part of that too and then we sat down for uh, about a couple weeks and drank a lot of coffee uh and, uh, and we started shooting the idea around and uh yeah and then we were inspired that was around 2015 i believe yeah it was about right? 2015 yeah and uh and then, yeah, it took us a solid year at least to get things really moving. But then I flew back to Chatham. Trying, then that started, we got to find a location. We no direct flight from uh, Micronesia to Chatham. There isn't, no, no, no unfortunately. Uh, it's a tricky one. But yeah, so that's kind of how we met. That's how the story started. Ultimately, I think having that small town connection was the inspiration. The fact that we were all in the industry, our other partner, Tim, as well. He was from Chatham, but he was... Uh, 
he was a brewer for a little while back in his day. And then we all kind of had this brewing experience in the fact that we were all kind of not entirely invested in Chatham at the time with our careers or our jobs, wherever we were. But we kind of saw this opportunity of Chatham. And because we were all grew up there, and we all had this vested interest in our hometown that it inspired us. So, yeah. And how did, what were you guys doing, Doug? Like, why, why were you guys, you were working on other breweries? What were you guys up to in yeah, Vancouver? So my brother and Alf and I have a consulting company out of Vancouver, and we install craft breweries across Canada, not, not just in BC. We've done them all over the place, Toronto, Niagara, Calgary. So we started a company in 2012, and I think we've worked on over 30 on an engineering capacity and probably 15 on an installation capacity. Like we're actually going in and actually installing the breweries for people and getting contractors to come in. And how but did you guys develop that? expert like where did that come from what were you so doing? it's really so my story is not as great as collins he's got a great story he's surfing when i was 22 <laughs> that was I, kind of surfing. when i was 22 i was in college by the time i was 25 i had two kids i needed a job i was supposed to go to bc with my brother alf didn't happen obviously because i had two kids and um so i just got in the corp world i was in automotive i was flying all over the world in automotive and i just got burnt out so i quit and moved to bc in 2000 and 12 and in 13 my wife said i had to go back to work 2013 you need to go back to work so alf worked for molson's he quit molson's went back and got his clean uh, masters in clean energy and he was doing some consulting he met a guy at a barbecue in squamish that needed help which is the red truck brewery colin was talking about and i had some project management experience and some sales and tech so he said, why don't you come down, check it out, and see if you can help these guys out. So he worked on the engineering side, and I kind of worked on the project management side. And from there, it just took off. And this massive boom hit. What is it, like 13? 13, yeah, the, 14, the, the timing just, for these on. guys. Uh, like, yeah. the craft beer boom has been ongoing. It's an interesting state right now. But at that time, I mean, Alf being with Molson Miller Coors ultimately yeah. for uh, 14 years previous i mean nobody saw this craft beer wave hitting the way it did but obviously elf having that background with those guys for so long and then kind of being got out of the industry exactly when the craft beer industry was about to explode yeah. it was just you know that yeah. was the idea awesome. the idea actually when i first went out there because i have my i'm a mech tech out of college out of st Clair and chatham with energy management and we were going to start an energy management company that was kind of the idea when I went out there and we were going to talk about it. And then this crap boom hit and we were only supposed to work like 30 hours. We could told them, look, I've been working 80 hours a week for 10 years. I'm done. And next thing you know, we're, we're installing three breweries at one time. It's just, it was crazy. And that went on and on and on. And then in 15, when we met Colin, that's when it, that's when it just yeah. took off with the, with the sons of Ken. So. And before that, before meeting Colin, you guys must've been tossing around, like we're doing this for so many other people. Should we just do it on our own? Were you just, well, no, no. Time? So originally, you know, Alf and I had talked about it cause we saw business cases. Obviously he, he was a, he was in capital when he was, he dealt with a lot of capital projects at Molson's he, as the engineering manager. And he, um, he kind of had all the background. He knew what we needed. He knew everything we needed to build a brewery. There were some pieces he didn't have. And once we started figuring out all, what all that was, that's when we started going, hey, we should. what are we doing? Why don't we open our own brewery? And that was probably just before 
you came out. Yeah. So, so I had, the reason I yeah. knew who Elf and Doug were, were because I heard that these two brothers were fishing around ideas to build a brewery in Chatham. And people started telling me that, hey, somebody told me that these guys were looking at a building maybe, and they, these guys want to build a brewery. And I'm like, I don't know who these guys are, but I got to figure this out and find out who they are. Because yeah. whatever's going on in Chatham, I got to be part right. of it. We, um, we had actually yeah. talked to Tim. I yeah, think before you, for sure. because Tim was a brewer back in the day, back in, I want to say, Jesus, before I met my wife. So in the yeah. early 90s, the he 90s. was making homebrew in his house and I wasn't drinking it at the yeah. time because I was a Coors Light guy back then. Fair <laughs> enough. Let the secret be known. <laughs> yeah. He used to be a converted Coors Light yeah. guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. They only drank Molson products. Well, you know, that was we had to. the connection. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so interesting, different, different stories, right? Like you went and did something totally different. Yep. Yeah. Obviously had an interest in beer for a while, though. Yeah, always um, had an interest in beer, but... But it was just a... On a career side, no. I, it, it probably started when I moved to BC. That's really yeah. when it started happening. Like, okay, this is a really great idea. And in 2012, ultimately, in my mind, was the year that crafts started to become recognized it was it was a lot of stories a lot of stuff in the media ontario was always a little bit behind in terms of when the boom was going to come and a lot of that was just because i mean ontario is a weird province ultimately but i mean you look at the west coast i mean that's always been the the boiling pot for you know creativity and, and stuff so bc was always ahead and obviously yeah, quite Elf a bit and, Doug, and that's how we figured yeah, it out yeah, yeah and Alf and doug being out there while all the boom was happening out there i think you know i remember Alf yeah. always said he he saw so much potential in ontario that just hadn't happened yet well i, I think at the time bc was around 17 to 20 percent craft sales yeah and Ontario was around four or five. Yeah. So we yeah. saw, I mean, the, there was a ton of opportunity early on. Um, yeah. And there still is, uh, but it's changed. Things are always changing. This is such a weird industry in terms of the speed at which things happen. I think a lot of things are, but yeah, I mean, as a whole, I mean, we're very fortunate to be in the location we're at and I'm super grateful we're doing what we're doing, but things are changing. You got to be on top of it and it's, it's good to, to know what's going on in BC in the U S for that matter too. Things are changing fast over there, but Ontario is in a kind of, it's a beast of its own in its uniqueness in the industry of beer and alcohol in general. There's a ton of opportunity but there's also a lot of challenges in its territory, I guess. So, okay. So you guys, uh, meet up, who knows, luck, fate, grace. I don't know what happened. You ended up sure. meeting up. You guys, uh, saw an opportunity all from Chatham. You move back, uh, decide that you're going to open up in Chatham. So walk me through even briefly, like how did you figure out what to do first? So a thing that's, I'm not gonna say stumps a lot of people, but like you wanted to be back in Chatham. You had an interest in beer. You had a background in beer. Your brother worked on capital projects. You knew the technical side. Like, I see how all the ingredients are coming together. Yeah. But then, then what? How did you get things going in Chatham? Well, I think I think first what happened is we had to do a bit. We did a business case out in BC. We hired a guy, or actually didn't hire a guy, because it's the craft beer world. We talked to a guy out in BC that had just opened up a brewery. He's a marketing guy. He created a market case, like a, or a business case for us, and. Uh, I don't even think Sons of Kent was our number one choice to start with, was it? No, I mean, we threw some names around, and this guy kind of just, he was he's yeah. a marketing guru who opened a brewery in uh, Abbotsford, and and he, he was really inspiring, and he was kind of like, well, this is what I'm going to kind of start with on a smaller scale, and kind of how we're going to try to raise some capital and whatever. I think ultimately, breweries are very capital-intensive projects. You've got to 
I mean, if you walk into a brewery, sure, the tap room, you got some nice bars and, you know, tables and chairs, whatever. But when you really look behind the window there, if there's a window, or you look in the back door, I mean, there's a ton of stainless steel, ton of infrastructure that has to go into it in terms of wastewater and natural gas and energy, raw energy, just turning it into stuff. And then you've got concrete. And, and yeah. the bonus on that end was Alf and Doug knew they've built a lot of breweries and knew exactly what things are going to cost. They knew all the suppliers. So we kind of could come up with a rough budget of what we need to start. But then it was, yeah, trying to, I mean, I'm not the financial guru and, and, but I know ultimately Alf kind of, I think had an idea in his head of, we need this much money to just get the doors open. And then we can rally and try to keep this thing. Like we could start on a smaller scale if we don't get all the money we need, but we just had to have a, we had kind of a black and white number that we had to have. And if we had that just minimum amount, then we could open the doors and start. And then we could continue to raise a bit more money and also start brewing beer and selling beer and and proving to the banks that we can have some revenue coming in to, you know, try to keep that cash flow happening. But yeah, it's a capital intensive business. So I think ultimately it was, I mean, finding a location that worked for us in everything else, but, but, you know, it was a tough start. You know, there were days when we, I think we all thought like, I don't know if this thing's actually going to happen you know um it was tough we you know we got beat down by some financial guys off the beginning which was kind of defeating <laughs> and uh but also but, good in a way too yeah, because it yeah. kind of opened there were some reality the, checks yeah. that we had to have i think in that starting phase but but i think honestly for me and everybody's different personality wise but but having partners at that point i think was healthy in the sense of where we all kind of motivated each other a little bit to to you know, we all kind of leveraged each other to say, hey, you know, let's not, let's, you know, if somebody else is going to try, then I'm going to back you up. We're just going to keep this thing going. So, yeah. So wrote the business plan, did the business case. Yep. Yeah. Use that case to go try to f- find some money, get some cool. capital. Yeah. But in the meantime, what we did, we did a little market study in Chatham back in 15. They had a craft beer show. So we made some beer at Tim, our other owner's place. He had his old equipment. We made some beer in his basement. Took it, took it there just to see what the response would be from the Chatham folk, or the, actually not Chatham, Chatham Ken folk, and it was it was excellent. I eh, Colin, I was going to ask, uh, like, kind of a big leap of faith, right? Like, I yeah. get if you were to, I don't know, go business school for a second, and like, let's pick the perfect market to launch a craft brewery. Maybe it would be Chatham, maybe it wouldn't be, but you guys said no, we're going to start with Chatham's where it's got to be. Yeah, that was a that was the standard. I think you could you could really depending on where you want to put a brewery would really determine your market strategy and your business strategy. But for us we knew Chatham was our base. Our story our our emotional connection personally to Chatham was there, but I think our our story of who we are and I think having a a really inspiring story in today's day in in terms of small business or any business in general is is really important and I think your consumer um especially in the craft beer business is is really engaged with your story and if you can give an honest story about you know four guys who grew up in this in this small town and were in the industry and decided that they wanted to come home and and build this thing is that's a story in itself that people can really interact with I guess ultimately so so that was kind of the Chatham component of it for 
for us. But yeah, everybody could have their own story wherever they want to be. But I mean, ultimately, where you are determines. Like, there isn't really another brewery in Chatham. So it also, we have a pretty open canvas of what we can do. I'm not going to say there won't be another brewery someday in Chatham. I think it would probably be healthy for the city to have another brewery. But I, if I were to open, if I wasn't involved in this brewery and opening another one and we already existed, I probably wouldn't do the same thing we are doing, right? I mean, there's there's other avenues now that you could attract business yeah. doing, you know, so. So how did you, there's five of you getting going? Four. 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 How did you decide this? how to structure it? Did you guys put in your own money? Did you raise all outside capital? So, like, how did you actually get going? So what we did is we, we did the business case up. We all put money in at one point. And then we said, look, we just, between four of us, just don't have enough money to do what we wanted to do. So we, we actually went out and did an investor pitch. We did it at a, at a club in, in Chatham, uh, a little club. And it was a real eye-opener, the questions that we got from it. Knowing that most of, like, none of us are business, we, were, we weren't business guys. We're tech, engineering, brewing, tech. You were tech at one point. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, we got a little eye-opener there. But but we were able to secure some investors right at the beginning. And that's how we, that's how we got going. Yeah, and I think, you know, going to those, being from Chatham originally, I think we all had personal connections yeah. to that city with, you know, people who worked for the bank or, you know, friends that, you know, were in business and, and could kind of point us in a direction and people we should talk to who have some money in Chatham they're looking to invest. And a brewery is a unique business opportunity. A lot of people see it differently. I think there's a lot of opportunity in the business financially, of course, but there's also a legacy component to it. There's a community component to it. There's a cultural component to it. So depending on why people want to invest in in what they want to invest into, everybody has a different justification. If you're, you know, and ultimately a brewery is kind of a cool story and it's a it's it's a bit of a legacy piece you know you're we are what's happened in that city since we've built that brewery is is really inspiring i mean the population's growing again and i'm not saying the brewery is the the only reason that happened but all these small pieces and and um really inspiring people and and i think we were a little bit of a catalyst for change and even attitudes are changing in that city and we're hearing so much more positivity there's more young people coming back to open businesses so i think we were just one small piece of that story that helped re-inspire that whole community and now there's more money coming into the community ultimately so a lot of the people who helped us invest obviously had other business interests in the city as well and i think it's it's been incredibly valuable for them too so it's cool yeah so you said uh, this helps me figure out how you de-risked it a little bit. So you got some some of your own money, found some investor money, did your market test in some yeah. beer festivals, got some product yeah. out there, figured out there was going to be a good response. How did you figure out what elements that you wanted and what elements you didn't want? So there's this concept and we talk about teaching entrepreneurship analogs and antilogs so the example like i don't know you're going to start a coffee shop you go to this, all the coffee shops you make a list of all the things you like you go to the coffee shops make a list of all the things that you don't sure through all of your experiences did you guys have this list in your head like how did you figure out what it was going to look like what to well, start well, with there's, there's a lot of breweries that you can investigate in now right. um and i worked for I mean, for me, I worked for a large brewery. I'll just say the name. I worked for Collective Arts um, right before the brewery opened in Chatham, which is now one of the largest breweries in Ontario. And they're growing like crazy. And that was really interesting for me to kind of see what I liked about that place and what I didn't. Ultimately, they're kicking ass and they're moving a lot of volume. But that was really cool for me. And then obviously these guys being able to work in a lot of breweries and seeing how breweries were starting and things yeah. that they liked about them and didn't. And that was really cool. And, and I think that 
gave us that inspiration to to open a brewery the way we wanted it and how we wanted our tap room to look and you know there's still things that two year two and a half years in you know we should probably change that or we all we still are evolving and changing and stuff too so that's been good but yeah i think being able to to check out markets i mean even the city of london now we opened in 2016 2017 sorry um and how many breweries have opened in london since 2017 it's actually pretty crazy i think two or three at least so every year it's kind of this this business is growing uh this industry is growing and things are changing and you have to be unique and on top of it and whatever but but having so many brews available to us really inspired us and then obviously being close to michigan which is a huge beer destination helped give us kind of a better i think in the original (laughs) too though we did sit down and we actually did some brainstorming where we all kind of talked about your experience like your experience like you just said my experience tim's and we kind of took all those things and said we want this we don't want you know we don't want this you know we don't want to have a, a bar because we, we don't want it to be a bar we want it yeah. to be a a tasting room where people can come in and sit down and enjoy a beer and hang out like just on the, that's one small point and we you know we, we also talked about lcbo and, yeah, re, and brewers yeah. retail what do we want to be in what's the best thing for us yeah and then depending on the size of your brewery yeah. really depends on like where you what avenues you need to pursue as a brewer uh, i mean ultimately if you're a tiny brew pub with a small system and and a really awesome location in the downtown core you don't have the capacity or the the square footage to be a massive production facility that's going to pump beer to the lcbo versus you know um, a really large outfit that has all the packaging equipment and huge tanks you're never going to sell enough beer in your tap room to justify all your equipment so you got to find that balance and i think for us we had kind of the best of both worlds we have a cool location and we have a lot of space in the back so we're kind of doing a bit of both but your your tap room sales or your uh, front of house sales or whatever you want to call them are very kind of finite in my mind i mean you can always grow that but you know uh if you're a bar or restaurant i mean you can get more people in the door but you're only going to be able to get so many people in the door you have a capacity but in retail it's kind of infinite where you can you can keep pushing and pushing us being close to the american border we keep that avenue open we're still investigating it we haven't entirely pursued it yet we've done some test markets where we've moved a little bit of beer into detroit and did some promos to see what the feedback would be some cool partnerships over there and stuff but we haven't entirely gone down that road yet but we will we will investigate more as time goes on as we see if there's not more opportunity there cool cool so you get Location uh, was key. You knew Chatham, but the location that you guys ended up getting is pretty awesome. There's just cool yeah. history in the location. Yeah. An old yeah. movie theater right in Chatham. Yep. So that, that's a great spot. You, Who's the actual brewer? I'm, I am Colin. Yeah. So, so Colin's a ma- master brewer. You yep, are correct. the you are the product. You're creating, yeah, the, product. You that, You're yeah. creating the product. Yeah. So you de-risked it to figure out like, okay, we got some local investors. These guys know the business. You're passionate about brewing. We've tested some of the product to get, put it out there in the market. People seem to like it. But then there's this like leap you've got to take, right? Like we're going to lay down money. We're going to open the doors. We're going to get investors on and like, let's figure out if people are going to like this or not. So... I don't know. You you open the doors on day one. How did how did you get people to know that you guys existed? We didn't even tell people. <laughs> Honestly, Chatham is such a small town. I mean, any small town people love to gossip and whatever. We kind of reserved our even social media. We weren't we weren't trying to go crazy because any big project with a lot of infrastructure never goes down on time. And I I mean, obviously yeah. Elf and Doug, you guys can I don't think we've ever had one project that 
yeah. met our met my timeline because I do the timelines. Never met it, and it's yeah. not because of Doug and Elf. It's usually a there's a lot of moving there's a parts. lot of moving parts. Yeah. And, and trying to nail down an exact date was really hard. I mean, we wanted to be open in yeah, the we, fall of 2016, and it was just like, yeah. wow, this isn't going to happen. So then, yeah, you start this project and you start spending money, and you know, you got to the only way we're going to start making money is if we start putting liquid into these kegs and start selling it and it's a really tight spot because you're like well we can't open the brewery until i mean we had our permits and stuff but of course you got to have your if you want to open your tap room that's a totally different permit because it's the alcohol business and there's tons of rules so these lags and delays and now we have 30 days to to even get our doors open once we submit the paperwork but they won't even look at your building until you have it finished so many of these things are happening and and we were trying to get the doors open but honestly word of mouth was so easy people in chatham like i was mentioned earlier i don't know if i said on the podcast but people in chatham wanted something so bad and and just nobody had offered them anything so once this thing started happening and people saw tanks coming down the street and going into the old cinema in chatham downtown people were talking and i i think that was really happy to kind of we helped fuel the gossip i guess or the the word of mouth stuff but we didn't give any definitive timelines or anything like that. We kind of just kept putting out the, you know, um, the little guerrilla marketing, if you will, and just kind of, you know, trying to get people talking and let them tell the story between themselves and let people go home at night and say, hey, I saw some tanks going into that that building. I think our, our, on our Facebook, you'd post something on the Facebook. Yeah. And we would just watch the people just start con- Are it they would, ever going to open that thing? Yeah. And, and yeah. people would just, and I, I think, I, I genuinely do believe that was a really healthy way to do it because it kind of gave us an open book to get the doors open when we could rather than come up with a definitive date and not hit it. And it allowed people just kind of by word of mouth to get really excited and tell their story and what they think they heard and what they heard. And we didn't really publish definitive things, which gave us some flexibility. And then when we opened the doors, there was Retrofest, which is a big classic car festival in Chatham. Chatham, people like classic cars. And we just opened the doors, didn't tell anybody, and there was a lineup down the street. People just started talking. Hey, I heard, I heard the doors are open. We got to go down there and check it out. And it was packed. We were blown away. Oh, yeah. And then we had our grand opening a couple weeks later once we kind of got through the craziness of it all. Um, and having kind of that secret opening allowed us to work out the kinks a bit too. And I think that's a healthy way to do it, but teach their own. So yeah, it was good. It was great. It worked out. So a little uh, secret soft opening what, what did you how many products did you start with how many beers were on tap when you opened day one uh we have like 12 main taps on the bar we probably opened with like we had a lot eight, going. probably eight yeah eight or nine at least yeah um but we started with some smaller equipment and, and i mean we were doing about a thousand liters per batch uh at the time which isn't super small but it's small enough where it gave us the creativity to to be able to do some test batches and try out some cool stuff and open with a big kind of a better portfolio or a better lineup of beer you could say and that gave us more of an opportunity on that end and having more beers obviously drives more people in the door because it's it's just a cooler thing <laughs> obviously it's cool and, and it's different beer for different people so so before you launched though you had were you open about the name like did you have a you had a website you had a facebook page yeah you had, okay. yeah so people we, we were established i mean yeah people knew there was a brewery I, I mean there isn't a lot of news going on in chatham or at least there wasn't then so the newspapers and the the media the local media was you know hounding us and people knew who we were people were talking um and we weren't you know like hiding behind you know brick walls and not coming out but we kind of let like i said we kind of let people tell the story for us and when the newspaper and stuff came in we i kind of gave them a set of rules of 
I've done, I do most of the PR stuff. And, and I said, this is what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say. And I wasn't trying to be rude or anything, but I just said, you know, cause the biggest question is what day are you opening? I don't know. You know, and, and before you publish some vague thing that people are going to get excited about, let's just keep it open-ended. And, and they were pretty respectful and that was cool. And, uh, we took some photos, you know, like the CTV news came in while we still had dirt on the floors and stuff. Cause everybody was just talking about it and it was such an inspiring thing for our community, which was cool. And that was exciting that we didn't really even have to try. People were coming to us left and right. And not every business gets that, but beer is beer. It's sexy and cool and exciting and it inspires people. So, so you guys have done an amazing job on I mean, the story, the story is a genuine story. You, you make that's, that's just the story is the story. It's a great story, but you've done a good job of telling it and sharing it through your website and Facebook and social and everything else. So I gather that social is a big component to marketing. Like it's the voice that you control. Is that where you interact mainly with your fans, with your I would customers? say, yeah. I mean, understand that Chatham, like Kent County demographics or Chatham Kent as a whole, uh, populates about 100,000. And it's mostly older people. I would say the one unique thing about our brewery is that majority of our market is probably a bit older than what a craft brewery in London might be um, in terms of demographics. I would say like probably 35 to 55 is our main, you know, main uh, market where other breweries might be more millennial focused, but, but it works for us and it's cool. So when you, when you talk about social, that's kind of blurry because obviously younger people are more engaged with social media, although it is changing, of course, but it's unique in the sense of, I have friends that own brews as well. And they're like Instagram, 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 of course. And it is the biggest platform now, but we get a ton of traffic on Facebook because it's an older audience and a little bit of that is, is our audience. So it's interesting to see that a little bit more, but I mean, we sell our beer in more than Chatham, of course. I mean, Southwestern Ontario is our main region, but our beer is available across the province and we we advertise and market our beer differently depending on the geographical region we're in knowing that our market will change the further away we get from chatham but social's huge yeah of course um and i would say yeah between those two platforms that's our that's our bread and butter honestly but uh in chatham i mean the radio guys believe it or not radio still does well for us for our market and the the guys on the radio stations are huge supporters of course so that's always fun to link up with them and even the newspapers are you know print still works in chatham believe it or not so we we still dabble in that so yeah it's cool how did you guys decide what to do yourselves and what to outsource and i'm thinking mainly on like the sales side or sales and marketing side so like again like you're who did the logo who does the branding on the beers who does the your social is awesome yeah um i'd say the original logo was done by our guy in bc yeah yeah the, the word mark logo yeah so we um yeah i mean doug and elf had uh the guy who built that brewery who was really a marketing guru not so much like tech beer guy and he really helped us get the ball rolling on like what we need to do from uh, uh, yeah a marketing sales strategy so he was like logo needs to be great website needs to be modern yeah. like he played it all over 100% and, and we he kind of showed us his business case and said this is you know being uh, like somebody who's been in marketing and sales for you know, however many years he was in it probably 10 years at least and then 
to say, here's my business case that's really marketing sales driven in, in that perspective. And, you know, we're going to build a brewery, I understand, like, and that's where Doug and Elf kind of helped him a bit and said, well, this is what it's going to take to to build a brewery financially, the equipment you're going to need, uh, the infrastructure in terms of, you know, um, energy and, and water and everything else. And then he kind of gave us all these guidelines, like, this is what you guys need to do and really helped us point us in a direction that was going to get us there, helped us design the logo and the name of the company and our story a little bit. Um, I mean, our story was our story, but it helped us tell the story better. And, uh, and then we kind of, yeah, we, we outsourced, we outsource a lot of our design stuff and we try to find people who are familiar with the industry. Obviously when you get into beer labels and, and can labels and stuff, a lot of rules in terms of what you can and can't have. So if you have somebody who's worked in the alcohol industry already in terms of what you legally are obligated to put on your labels, that helps so we kind of found people who had a bit more familiarity, but I think between all of us, we always sat down and said, what do we want our, our feel to look like? And that has changed probably a bit from three and a half years ago when this idea started and what, you know, what we've realized is people are a little more receptive to us, but obviously Chatham being classic car capital and having a, an old cinema that's a little bit more nostalgic, we really tried to feather in a bit of that retro feel. I mean, our eight track IPA or XPA, I guess, is is kind of falls into that category quite well. So that's kind of our inspiration from the marketing standpoint. And then we do a lot of it in-house too. Uh, we have three full-time salespeople from, you know, London, Windsor, Sarnia, and everywhere in between. And then we have an LCBO guy too, which is, falls into that group. And then uh, from the marketing standpoint, I actually do some of it myself. I obviously dabble in some software in, in terms of design stuff, and I like to have fun with it. But I have a friend of mine who has a company, and we kind of outsource a lot of like the video stuff and through him, and he helps me and us kind of really finalize these creative ideas that we might start on our own, but then they'll help seal the deal and get it done and get it on the internet and get people, get eyeballs on it. So cool. So I'm going to, I'll make a guess that I usually talk about like, what are the, what are like the critical things above all the other things? What are the critical things you need to nail in the, in this industry? And so for you guys, like I would gather that nailing the look and feel and brand and story was one piece that was worth investing in. Yeah you product has to be good like if the beer was bad you yeah wouldn't. if the beer sucks you'll never get past the starting line i right. mean and that's it's too competitive now to to not have a good product i think five years ago nobody really cared because they're just everybody wanted craft beer it was such a cool idea and there wasn't a lot of them out there so your selection was low especially for us being in a region i mean for me growing up and or not even growing up but me being in chatham five ten years ago um and being into beer was almost non-existent Right. I mean, we would, I go to the LCBO and there was, you know, barely anything that was craft from Ontario and that's changed a lot now in that competitive end of things. Yeah. You got to have a good product, but I would, I would totally argue, um, that at least 50% of your sales are determined by your marketing, which is your storytelling and your strategy and your, your image, your brand, at least 50%. The hardest part is getting somebody just to try your beer for the first time. And if you make a good beer, then they'll drink it again. Um, but if they're let down once, there's a lot of other opportunities out there or other options out there, I guess you could say, for them to find their favorite beer. And if, you know, even quality consistency on my end from the brewing slash production management is crucial. I mean, we, the last thing I want is a batch of beer going out. That's not good enough. Cause that can, that has tons of long-term <laughs> detrimental effects. It's not just that one batch that went out bad. People who love that beer might say, ah, oh, you know what? Those, the people who love it will, will probably 
go back to it again. But if it's that first person who's trying it for the first time, they'll remember that forever. So we are incredibly critical on quality and consistency and making sure that our product is always, always on top. And then, uh, yeah, the sales guys obviously have to be the face on the street that are that are representing us well when we try to, you know, we have some really talented people that are doing that. And uh, and then our brand image and our story has to be on point, too. So there's a lot of parts. And if you don't nail one of them, then, you know, you can have the best beer in the world. But if your brand sucks, then it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, if you make the best beer in the world, but nobody drinks it, is it really the best beer in the world? You know, is there anything along the way that. surprise you for better or worse something maybe that you didn't anticipate that was harder than it you thought it was going to be or something that you thought was going to be really challenging and ended up being great for you guys good both of you either yeah well, I don't know. There, there, there was a lot of stuff right in the beginning i think that kind of opened my eyes up in the, yeah in, in the, just trying to get just trying to get things started and the delays that we got i mean we saw a lot of stuff when we we're building breweries out for other people but I think part of the thing for us, we hadn't done, we, we hadn't worked on like a tasting room and trying to come up with that. And as Colin said earlier, it took a long time to get that done and get the permits yeah. on it. And that, that was a huge eye opener for me on that end. I don't know, Colin, did you, did you get anything on that? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the hardest things for me is as a growing company, I mean, we're growing probably what we did like 70% growth this year, which is a huge number for any business, you know, and, and managing that growth is really, really hard. I mean, financially it's hard because beer is a weird product that has to sit in tanks and then ferment, and then it's got to get into the packaging process and it's got to get packaged and it's got to sit in the fridge and then the sales guy's got to sell it and then you got to receive the money. So there's this, there's a, a huge delay from raw ingredients to the revenue. And, and that is challenging when you're growing that fast. So that's been a struggle for us, but you know, 70% is, is a big number. I mean, I, we we're anticipating in 20, uh, 2020 will be 50%, but you know, that growth curve is, can't stay accelerated like that forever. I think it's just impossible, but we are still seeing a ton of growth and managing growth is really, really challenging because that brings in new people and more bodies on the floor. And, and then you have to, it's more managing people, which we've been really fortunate with an awesome team, but it's still hard, right? I mean, it's not just pumping liquid out and hoping for the best. There's a lot of moving parts. But the one thing that I guess going to the other side of it, things that I have seen that I never foresaw being as easy as they are, are these, I kind of touched on it earlier, but engaging your community in a positive way and how how much people really want to believe in what you're doing if you give them something to believe in, give them a reason to do that. And I mean, yeah, like we have lineups out the door down the street to buy beer for, um, you know, like ex or f- former major league baseball players that grew up in Chatham or former NHL guys that grew up in Chatham or we did a beer for RM Classic Cars which was a big kind of classic car company in Chatham we do a lot of charity beers where a portion of every sale goes to a local charity and and not only is that great for the charity um obviously it's great for our community and people rally behind that and and we're obviously very engaged in our community it's it's home so those values we always knew they were there, but to really drive that and create these products that are beneficial to our community, people are so, you know, stoked on that as we are. And it and it makes it, you know, it makes it easy to get a lineup of people down the street to to get stoked on that too. So yeah, it's cool. It's amazing how small towns kind of rally together to support yeah, it's uh awesome. the cause when the timing's right and the story's right. That's yeah. great. This has been great chatting with you guys. I love the story. For people that want to find you 
either online or to go purchase? Where do we, where are you located? Where do people find you? Well, we usually have two products in the LCBO across the province all the time. Um, that changes depending on the season, but for the most part, we always have eight track, which is our IPA. And then, uh, but if we're in Chatham, Ontario, uh, if you don't know that that is, it's Googling's easy enough. But yeah, we're not too far from the downtown core. We kind of are considered to be in the downtown core. Obviously, sonsofkent.com will give you all that fun information that you need. Um, but we are available in grocery and beer store, agency stores, which is kind of a unique thing. But but yeah, we're always kind of growing our retail list. Ultimately, we're across the province, mostly in southwestern Ontario. So kind of, you know, like you could say the Kitchener, Waterloo, and then southwest of that is our is our territory. So any any of those retailers, you'll find us pretty easily, I'm sure. But come to the brewery. It's awesome. That's great. Yeah, it's a great vibe. Uh, last one before I let you go, and you can answer it uh, rapid fire. Uh, advice to your, call it 25-year-old self. Like, would you do it any differently? <laughs> I'm not that much older than 25, so. <laughs> but I mean, but I think I wouldn't do it any differently. Honestly, I think um, there's things that have changed so much in the last, for me, six years, I guess, since I was 25. Uh, things have changed a lot in the industry, so it's hard to say. I mean, beer is evolving and changing all the time. But I think I'm, I'm pretty proud and happy with what we uh, have accomplished in Chatham in the last few years. And Chatham is changing too as a town. So with an ever-changing kind of economic and business area, I guess, to play in, it's, it's, yeah, I think we're happy with where we're at. But yeah, that's my two cents. What do you think, Doug? I don't think I'd change anything because the whole thing's been a learning curve for me. So Yeah, but you're 25-year-old. Am I 25? Yeah. That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Should have had more kids. Yeah, you know, I don't think I would. Like, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't change anything. You know, if I was 25 and it started out this way, it'd be great. Because you're learning as you go from different people, from the city, like people from the city, from the owners, from the people that work at the place. So you're learning every day. And I wouldn't change that because every day you should be learning something new. So That's great. Guys, thank you for spending the time. It's good to hear your story. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. Thanks. You've been listening to the Ivy Entrepreneur Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit ivy.ca forward slash entrepreneurship. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.